Hey, can we just give the Lord a big hand right now just for us? Boy, it's, uh, I've watched that three times this weekend and yeah, oh man, you guys only have to watch it once. But I tell you, there is something powerful about watching God at work. Uh, when the world shut down, God never did. And God loves this world more than we know. God wants to reach this world more than we know. And God will use any means necessary to reach this world. And can we just celebrate and just welcome everybody online in every country that watches this right now. And, you know, it is just an honor to be a part of God's church, not just the Northside Church, but God's global church. Man, he is reaching people. He is saving people. He is pulling people out of addiction. He is rescuing marriages. He is sending people into ministry. Matter of fact, for the 945, I was walking over to the West Side Torum this weekend was our first uh, Discover Northside class during the 945. And I was over there just to greet people. And I ran into a buddy and uh, he said, Nate, I haven't got to tell you about this, but he said, uh, my wife and I are doing something really neat. He said, uh, you know, he goes, we've paid off all of our debt. He goes, we're close to retirement. Uh, but he said, we since this calling of God on our life. He said, and so what we're gonna do is this, we're gonna scale back our living so we can begin to travel around the country and serve as a couple to meet those in needs through Samaritan's Purse and different mission organization. And you just saw this light on their face because they knew God is calling them into what's next. And this is the beauty of God is that when you follow him, sometimes we don't know everything he's gonna do, but we have the living God with us. Matter of fact, somebody asked me that. They said, man, how have you led through this last year when you didn't know what was going to happen? And I remember just kind of having just kind of scrambled eggs for brain. I didn't really have a good answer. And this is all I could come up with. They said, how would you lead through a pandemic? And this was it. Follow the leader. Man, just follow the leader. That's all I could come up with. We just had to follow the Holy Spirit in this last year. We had all these plans, we had all these things, and then things changed. And the only way that you and I can be the church, the only thing God's called us to do is follow the leader. Anybody remember playing that game as a kid, man? You know, I got a couple of young kids, man, and they do that. They walk around, and, you know, and you act crazy. And boy, I feel like this year, man, we have followed the leader on every hill and every valley and every corkscrew. And I've thrown up by following the leader and I've got back on the ride. And, you know, we just keep going and we go, whoa, whoa, God, where are you going? And here's probably the most frustrating thing about the game, follow the leader. When you're following the leader, you never see clearly where they're going. Who's the only thing you can see? The leader. And oftentimes in faith, this is where it gets tough. We want to tell God or we want to ask God, God, where are you going? What are you doing? And his only response back to us is this. Follow the leader. Follow the head of the church, Jesus, and I'll take you where you need to go. Matter of fact, God gave me this passage in Joshua chapter three. It's my favorite book of the Bible. I love the whole story of Joshua. And uh, he gave it to me last year. And it was kind of that moment. You know how God will give you a verse and you're like, well, that's strange, God. Thanks for that verse. But why'd you give me that verse? You know, and maybe it's like, I mean, all God's word's good. Thank you, God. But God was like, you're gonna wanna hang on to this one, Nate. You're gonna wanna put it away for, you know, for the rest of this year. And what it is, is in Joshua chapter three, when Moses had died and Joshua was now the leader of the Israelites and he had to cross into the promised land. He had to go where they'd never gone before. He had to cross the river Jordan. He's got millions of people. He's never been the leader before. And listen what God tells him. He says this in Joshua chapter three. He says, when you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord, your God, 
And the Ark of the Covenant was represented and contained the presence of God. He says, when, when you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the priests who are Levites carrying it, he said, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. And then listen to what he says. Because then you will know which way to go since you have never been this way before. You know what God told Joshua in this moment? Joshua, you know how you're going to get in the promised land? Follow the leader. You know how we're going to make it through 2021? Here's my hope, man. I can't tell you everything that's going to happen this year, but here's what I can tell you we're going to do. We are going to follow the leader. Man, we are going to go where God's called us to go. God, we're going to step into what he has for us. And the beautiful thing about God is this. It's not just about some plans. Following God is about a person. It's about Jesus in our life. It's about the one who loves us and redeems us and leads us forward. And this is why we, our whole goal you heard in the video was this. We said, hey, we want to begin to be people that in the, we want to take a step of generosity. We want to have 100% engagement. And this is why we were able to do incredible things this last year is because everybody joined in. Everybody said, God, I'm going to follow you right where I am. You know, this is why we were able to help other ministries in this time. This is why we were able to make room in the West Auditorium. This is why Lord willing, uh, because of your generosity, this year our plans are we will be debt-free as a church so we can begin to reinvest all of our finances in the ministry. Praise God for that, man. And we're going, God, we want to continue to do what you've called us to do, to plant more churches, to partner with more ministry, to reach more people who are unconnected to Jesus Christ. See, this is the greatest thing that you and I can give our lives to. And if you're new here, I, I ran into several people. They said, man, I love it. They said, but I've never stepped foot in this building before. Literally, they started joining us. I met some this morning to discover Northside. They said, we just started coming this year, and this is our first time here in the building. We're like, man, this is incredible what God's doing. And if you want to learn more, a little bit about what we're doing, I want to invite you to go to tablesetter.org. You can write that down, take a picture on your phone or whatever, so you can see all that God is doing. But what we're saying over the next year is this, that we would have 100% of us continue to step out in faith through generosity. That we would pray about, God, what are you calling us to do? And we're going to step out into it. And on there, there's a digital commitment card you can fill out to say, God, here's where I'm at. If you're new, you can read all about what God's doing and you can take a step of faith. For some of you, if you're like me, you made a commitment last year when we had our commitment weekend. And we want to invite you just to go back and reconfirm your commitment to say, God, we're going to finish strong and walk by faith. I've talked to some of my friends though. They said, Nate, I can't explain it. They said, my business should be down this year, but this has been the best year ever. And I don't know what to do with that. And all my response is this, just follow the leader, man. Follow what God's doing in your life. For some of you, there might be an increase in generosity. But here's the thing about setting the table. Some of us go, Nate, I want to set the table. I want to do good work for God. I'm not sure how. This is why today and over the next couple of weeks, what we're going to do is this. We're going to study Luke chapter 23, and we're going to watch how Jesus set the table for those around him as he carried the cross to his death. See, this is the beautiful thing about Jesus. Even when he was going to die for all of humanity, he was still setting the table for those around him. And this is why we're calling this series Humble and Hungry. Humble and Hungry. Typically, here's what will happen. We will resonate more with one of those words. Some of you, you might resonate more with that word humble. You're going, man, you're just kind and you're quiet and you're nice and it's so sweet and everybody loves you. But when God calls you maybe step out into something, you're like, whoa, man, what if people don't like it? What if I fail? 
And sometimes what can happen is this, we'll be humble, but we won't always be hungry. Or we can become hungry and we can have all the plans of our life. But in our midst of being hungry for life, we'll quit being humble. See, this is the only one who is humble and hungry, and that is Jesus. That's why today and over the next couple of weeks, we're going to start looking at people that Jesus went after. And I want to invite you, if you've got your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 23, uh, or it'll be up on the screen or your YouVersion Bible app in your, on, your, on your iPhone. If you want to pull that up, man, I want to invite you into Luke chapter 23. That's where we're going to be for the next couple of weeks. But I want to look at this one verse that Jesus set the table for. It was an unassuming man, and it's in Luke chapter 23, verse 26. And listen to what it says here. It says, as they led Jesus away, and, and this is after he had just spent a whole night up being betrayed from his friends. He had been convicted, even though he's an innocent man. He's been whipped. He's been bleeding. He's on the verge of death, and it says, as they led him away, they seized Simon from Cyrene, who was on his way in from the country, and put the cross on him and made him carry it behind Jesus. Now, now here's the deal. I just want to talk about Simon of Cyrene for a moment. Here's this guy. I mean, literally, it just says, Simon of Cyrene, he was seized, so he didn't have a choice. Some of you, the choice was if you wanted lunch, you had to come to church today, right? And your parents were like, listen, if you want to eat, get dressed, right? You know, and you had to come into church today. And literally, Simon from Cyrene, Cyrene is actually 780 miles away. It's Libya today, northern Africa. 780 miles away from Jerusalem, which some people believe Simon was either a Jew or he converted to Judaism when he heard about this covenant God. And so Simon just comes walking into town because when Jesus died, it was Passover. Everybody would come into Jerusalem to celebrate and remember what God had done in Exodus to free his people. And so Simon comes walking into town and the Roman soldiers seize him He's just minding his own business, coming to town. They seize him, and they start making him carry Jesus' cross. Two reasons why they believe this happened. One is this, that Jesus was on the verge of death, and Roman soldiers would get in trouble if they killed their prisoner before they got to the cross. And so what the Roman soldiers did was this. They stopped, and they said, no, we're going to get this other guy because this man has to make it to the cross. Because here's why. Rome, and their way of keeping power in the peace, is that they would kill people, crucify them along the streets, so everybody would know, you do not go against Rome or we will kill you. That'll shut some people up real quick, right? Hey, that guy, that did not end well for him. I think I'm going to follow the Roman way. And so they get this man, Simon of Cyrene, to carry the cross. Now, here's the deal about this. A lot of times we don't hear about this guy ever, right? We don't know about the story of Simon of Cyrene. We, I've never heard a sermon about Simon of Cyrene before. But here's the beautiful thing about Jesus. Nobody is a nobody to Jesus. Nobody is a nobody to Jesus. Just because you and I a lot of times haven't heard about Simon of Cyrene doesn't mean God wasn't at work in his life. Matter of fact, if you begin to study scripture a little bit more, what you find is this exact passage is in Mark chapter 15. And listen what it says. It talks about how Simon of Cyrene carried the cross. And then this is what it says in Mark chapter 15. And they go, you know this guy, Simon of Cyrene. He's the father of Alexander and Rufus. Now, Simon of Cyrene, why are you naming your son Rufus, right? You're just trying to get at him or what's going on here? But here's the beautiful thing. What Mark says is this. 
We got to pay attention to this. We think about Simon of Cyrene. We go, oh, he's just, you know, somebody. He's a nobody. Chuck to the side. Here's what Mark's saying. Simon of Cyrene, and he's the only person listed in Luke chapter 23 on the way to the cross. There's a reason why they list his name. Because as he was made to carry Jesus's cross, what happened was when he encountered Jesus's cross, the cross began to carry him. And what happened was in that moment when he met Jesus for the first time and he saw his cross and he went, who is this guy and what is going on? Jesus began to change his life. This is why Mark in Mark chapter 15 says this, you know Simon of Cyrene because his boys are Alexander and Rufus who go on to be leaders in the church. See, here's what happens. Jesus on the way to the cross is going to change Simon's life. He has no idea it's coming, but he's not just going to change Simon's life. He's going to change his family's life. And then listen to what it says in Acts chapter 11. This is what I love about the work of God. It says, now those who had been scattered by the persecution, the book of Acts, the Holy Spirit comes, they begin to share Christ. And what happens is this, Paul, the apostle who was Saul, began to kill Christians. And so everybody had to flee Jerusalem. And it says, now those who had been scattered by the persecution in connection with Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, telling the message only to Jews. Some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene. Listen to Simon's story now. See, this guy who just gets one mention, one verse here in Luke chapter 23, that is not the only thing God is doing in his life. That day, Jesus set the table for him to experience life he had never tasted before. His family becomes followers of Jesus. Now it says, men from Cyprus and Cyrene went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks, also telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. And then listen to this. And the Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord you may not believe that God wants to reach people through you, but guess what? You have a leader who wants to lead you into plans bigger than what you could ever dream for your life. Simon of Cyrene. Oh, he's a nobody. Mm -mm. Jesus says, nobody's a nobody to me. Everybody is a somebody. And I'm calling you into my life. Simon, I want to change your family. Simon, I want to send you out on purpose. But then this is what we got to understand. If you're taking notes, you want to write this down. Because when we follow Jesus, when we begin to follow our leader, when we meet our leader, you better begin to expect the unexpected. You better begin. Anybody have that man? We're like, well, I didn't expect that, man. I started following Jesus. I didn't expect that. I know. Simon went, I'm just coming in for the country. Boom. Crosses on him. Life is changed. He's going, I didn't expect this. See, this is the beautiful work of Jesus. That he has bigger plans for you and I than we could ever have for ourselves. But I want to draw your attention to just two words here. This is what it says. It says, when they, after they seized Simon from Cyrene, who was on his way in from the country, they put the cross on him and made him carry it. And then here's the two words, you ready? Behind Jesus. Hello, I had to burp there. <laughs> Some bacon. Two words. Made him carry it behind Jesus. Don't you love when those moments happen, man? You're just like, you just got to go with it. But I love in this text, 
Simon's life changed. Sometimes we try to change our life. Sometimes I try to change my life. I'm like, all right, God, here's my plan. And here's what happens. I begin to actually get ahead of God. God, I've mapped it out. Here's my five-year plan. Can I get your seal of approval? He's like, "Mm, let me think about that. And here's what happens. We can get ahead of God. Or here's the other deal. We can just stand right next to God. Do like these fist bumps, huh? All right, Jesus, we're doing this together. And then here's what happens. We're standing next to Jesus, but we're looking over here. You know what Simon does? In this passage, when he carried the cross, he didn't get ahead of Jesus. And the passage says it didn't stand next to Jesus. It said he walked behind Jesus. Let me ask you a question today. Where are you walking with Jesus? Walking ahead of him? Walking next to him? Are you walking behind him? See, Simon of Cyrene's life changed that day when he began to follow behind his leader. Not get ahead of him, not stand next to him, but when he began to walk behind Jesus, everything began to change. Got an email this week. I love getting these emails to hear about what God is doing in our church family. And at the end of the yes series, we talked about the best yes and the best yes that Jesus prayed and the best yes that you and I could ever pray is this. God, not what I will, but what you will. God, not what I want, but what you want. And that was Jesus' prayer. This is why he's our ultimate leader because he doesn't get ahead of God. He doesn't just stay next to God. He empties himself and he follows God. I got this email from one of the gentlemen here in our church after last week's series wrapped up. And listen what he said. He said, in your sermon this week, you mentioned that someone might be deciding to say yes to a new career. And that is exactly what happened to me during this sermon series. After 16 years in the logistics industry, my position had taken a big change due to COVID. I found myself only staying at my job because of the money alone. I didn't enjoy it any longer, and I felt like I was not adding any benefit to the company I worked for. I decided to apply for a totally new position in a brand new career. Maybe not the best thing to do during COVID, all right? He said, I had an interview shortly after I applied for the position. After the interview, I would pass by the new company daily going to and from work. As I went past, I prayed that if God wanted me to have this new job, that he would put my name at the top of the list of the candidates. And after two weeks, I received a call from the gentleman in charge of hiring that did my interview. He said, and I quote, I interviewed a lot of people for this position, but for some reason, your name kept coming up to the top of my list. I love this. He said, those were his exact words. I asked God twice a day for two weeks. Twice a day of two weeks, not getting ahead of God, not standing next to God, but twice a day going, God, I'm following you. You're my leader. And then this is what he said with like 16 exclamation points. Yes. I couldn't help, right? I mean, I love this. And I couldn't help but read that. I grew up, my dad loves Johnny Carson. I couldn't help but read that without Ed McMahon's voice in the back of my mind. Yes, Johnny. I'm almost 40. Give me some forgiveness here, all right? But then this is what he says. I knew in that moment, I knew in that moment, God was moving me. Even though... 
I love his transparency. Even though this new job is less money with less perks, I know I am where God wants me to be. I also know that God provides just what we need. And many times in my life, I have been unsure if God was moving or if if it's been me that is moving. This time, I had no doubt. And I love stories of our Northside family. People like you and me, people like Simon of Cyrene, that show up out of nowhere going, God, I didn't come looking for this, but you came looking for me. Simon didn't go looking to carry Jesus' cross that day, but Jesus said, I'm looking to carry your life today. I'm looking to give you new hope today. This is the beautiful work of when we see our humble and hungry leader going to the cross, what we find is this, Jesus pays attention to bystanders. You may feel today, you may be watching online and you just feel like a bystander. You need to know this, Jesus sees you and invites you to follow him. He's inviting you into his life, into his table. But the beautiful thing about this passage is this, it's not just Simon of Cyrene. Listen what it says next verse after this, verse 27. It says, a large number of people followed Jesus, including women who mourned and wailed for him. It's weeping women. And then Jesus turned and said to them, daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. What Jesus was saying in this moment is this, don't don't weep for me, weep for you and your children because here's what's happening. This is bad. But he goes on to say, and he quotes Hosea chapter 10, verse eight. He said, for the time will come when you will say, blessed are the barren women, the wombs who have never bore and the breasts that have never nursed. Then they will say to the mountains, fall on us into the hills, cover us. For if men do these things, when the tree is green, what will happen when it is dry? What Jesus is saying in this moment is this, they're killing the innocent son of God right now. And what he's saying is this, don't weep for me, but weep for yourself and your children because here's what's going to happen. It's going to get real bad. And when you begin to study history, what you find in 70 AD is this, the Roman Empire comes in and they destroy Jerusalem. They said it was so bad, they brought a, there was a famine that hit, they said it was so bad that literally they had to only survive, many of them, by cannibalism. And what was happening in this moment is this, Jesus was saying, hey, listen, This world cannot save you. Do not follow it. Do not put it ahead of God. Don't weep for me, man, weep for you. And he's saying this, hey, because it's gonna get bad. If you begin to get ahead, if you begin to just go on your own way, it is gonna get bad. It's gonna take you not where you wanna go. But what's amazing is this, here's Jesus. He's just been beat. He's on the verge of death. He's about ready to be crucified. In verse 28, though, it says this, that Jesus turned and said to these women, Jesus on the verge of death. I'll just let you know right now, if I'm on the verge of death, I ain't taking anybody's phone call. I ain't taking it, right? You're gonna hit the side of the phone. That can go to voicemail. Jesus is on the verge of death. Beaten, bloodied, and these women are weeping, and the passage says this, he turned and he talked to them. Listen to our humble and hungry leader. Here's what he's doing, you ready? This is what he's saying. He's like, if if you want to live the life of Jesus, if you want to follow your leader, here's what we got to understand. Jesus makes time for the powerless in this world. 
There's often times we feel powerless in this world. We feel like we don't have any way forward. We don't know how to move forward. We don't know what to do. We feel powerless. That's why these women were weeping. Women in that day, most of them could not own property. A woman's voice was not a valid testimony in the court system. Imagine that, women. You watch injustice happen and your voice carries no weight. And Jesus stops and he turns and he validates. I didn't know this till this month. Did you know that March is National Women's History Month? I didn't know that. Started doing some research about this. In 1857, March became, uh, or actually in 1857, man, that bacon's getting me, man. I'll tell you what's happening, man. <laughs> In 1857, there was a protest that happened over the poor conditions of women's life. And what happened in 1909 was it was the first Women's Celebration Day. In 1981, it was the first Women's History Week. And then in 1987, they said, hey, let's not give women just a week. What if we gave them a month? And you know what Jesus says in this passage right now? He goes, what if we didn't just give women a day, a week, or a month? What if we gave women a new way of life? Jesus turned and he talked to these women and empowered them. You know who it was that got to deliver the first message to the disciples about Jesus' resurrection? A woman. You know why? Because what Jesus was saying is this. I'm giving you my good news and I want you to tell the world. Oh, the world, women, at that time, they may only want to use and abuse you. And Jesus says, uh-uh, I came for the powerless. See, this is what the cross does. The cross redeems and begins to empower and gives us hope to the powerless. Every single one of us is broken. And it's only the cross that begins to change the way we look at one another. See, it's the cross and the way of Jesus that sets the table for you and I to actually treat humanity and people in this world as God treated them. But here's what the passage says. It says a large number of people followed Jesus, including women who mourned and wailed before him. Meaning this, just like Simon of Cyrene, the wailing women didn't get ahead of Jesus. They didn't just stand next to Jesus. These women's lives were changed because they followed Jesus. How are you walking with Jesus today? See, the beautiful thing about it is this. Oftentimes, we'll be guilty of getting ahead of Jesus or just standing next to Jesus. But the way you and I our lives change, it only changes when we realize that Jesus first followed his leader. See, it won't be about just you and I following our leader. It first revolves around Jesus being the one who followed his leader to the cross. What we're gonna look at over the next couple of weeks is all the different people that Jesus encounters over the next couple of weeks People's lives who were in disarray, people's lives who needed redemption. And along the way to the cross, Jesus was still meeting people. He was setting the table to redeem all of humanity. This is what I love about the honesty of Jesus' disciples in John chapter 14, verse 6. This is what it says. Thomas, one of Jesus' disciples on his last night, Jesus comes up to him. 
And this is what he tells them. He says, listen, guys, I'm going to prepare a place for you. I'm going ahead of you. But I'm going to come back and I'm going to take you with me. And Thomas, one of his disciples, I love his just honesty. He says, <laughs> this is what he tells him. He says, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Jesus, we, we, I don't know where you're going. How can I know the way then? In John chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus says this. I am the way. I am the way. And then he goes on to say this, and not only am I the way, I'm the truth and I'm the life. Many scholars believe that actually the Greek says this, that he says not just I am the way, but he says because I am the way, I am the truth and I am the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. What he was saying in that moment, and I love it, is this. Jesus was saying, I have a new life for you. I've got a new mission for you. But don't get ahead of me, guys. And don't just stand next to me, but follow the way. Because when you follow the leader, when you follow the way, you begin to see truth and you begin to discover your life. Where are you walking with Jesus? Maybe for some of you today, you came in here like Simon of Cyrene. You had no idea that God even knew about you, that God even cared about you, that God would even invite you to follow him. You find in Simon's life, God uses him to begin to change his country, begins to use him to change his family, begins to use him to change his community because he followed the leader. Maybe here today you feel powerless Maybe because of your sin or what other people have done to you, what you think about yourself or what you've done. And you're going, man, God, I, I resonate with him. I just feel powerless. And he goes, I know. I'm the way. I'm the way to your healing. I'm the way to your hope. I'm the way to your redemption. Because the cross is the way forward. And Jesus invites you and I to follow him. See, he's the one who set the table first for us. Let's pray together. Father, thank you. God, we thank you for showing us and teaching us people like Simon of Cyrene and women who are weeping. And Jesus, you and you alone have the true heart of God. And so, Father, today, as we begin to take steps forward in the rest of the year, God, as we begin to move in faith as a church, Father, as more and more people are coming back and gathering together, Father, as we begin to change some new life patterns, Jesus, this is your church. You're the head of the church. And so we ask in this moment, Jesus, that you would help us to follow you. That Jesus, you would change us through your kindness and your compassion on the cross. Father, we freely admit we've all gotten ahead of you. Or God, we've just stood beside you. 
but we haven't always followed you. So today, Lord, would you refresh our hearts? Would you remind us once again that you are inviting us to be your people, to walk in your power? Because Jesus, your word is true. You are the way, the truth, and the life. And we thank you. And we walk in your promise today. And it's in your name that we pray, Jesus. And all his people said together, amen. May we follow the leader this week, everybody. God bless you. We'll see you next weekend.